As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Port's on with you. Tom Reed is here from an airport somewhere. Yes, hello. And Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Uh, Blue Jackets, a, a humbling defeat last night. 5-1 to Tampa. Nothing new there. They have just been run ragged by Tampa Bay. Six straight losses to the Lightning. Two straight Series sweeps by the Tampa Bay's and and last night I just now sure there are a couple of things you could you could fix if you're the Blue Jackets they sprung Kucherov on a couple of uh, breakaways never a good idea but I boy they they I felt like they landed maybe their best punch to to Tampa Bay in the first period and they they come out of it down two nothing just a that that one felt. That feels worse to me than the Islanders' loss or losses of that ilk, where you feel like you could play a little bit better and you lost. This this one makes you feel like you're just not good enough, and I'm wondering what you guys are thinking about that. No harm there in the sense that Tampa Bay is clearly the best team in the league, but you'd like to be able to at least hang with them. Am I wrong, Tom? No, I mean that's this is what Tampa Bay does. I mean, if you think think back to the last time they played them, I can't remember what the final score was, but it was the game that Bob did get pulled in. Or they had a they had a great second period. Remember, oh, fantastic second period, yeah. and then the game was over in a matter of minutes. That's just what Tampa Bay and really good teams do to you. They they can take they can take a game where you feel like you're right there with them, and in a span of two or three minutes, it's over. 
And last night, the final minute of the first second period and the first minute of the third period, the game was over. Uh, that's what great teams do to, to opponents. And I'd asked, I'd asked John Tortorella about that yesterday morning about, you know, you had the great second period last time. How do you, you know, just how do you avoid uh, this kind of thing, this kind of attack? And his, his point was, you got to go right at them. You got to be fearless. And I think for the most part, they were. But I don't know how you guys felt. I was watching it on television when when they went when they went down five on three toward the end of that second period. You thought, oh my, this is this is it right here. Yeah. You just felt like it, the, the onslaught was coming, and sure enough, two goals in a matter of seconds on either side of the period, and the game was over. Yeah, um, Blue Jackets a twenty to six edge in shots on goal in the first period, seventeen of twenty in the faceoff dot. I mean, they were in the Tampa zone probably 15 minutes, which is a staggering uh, figure. But, Allison, you, you do so well to look at the, the deeper numbers. There is there is something more Columbus could do. Like, it's easy to get lost in the good minutes there. There's something There was something missing last night from the Blue Jackets game, and that was? Yeah, if you look at where all those shots were coming from, most of them were actually coming from above each circle on either side. They weren't coming from the slot. They weren't coming from net front. They weren't coming off of rebounds. They weren't those high danger shots that obviously give you a better chance to score. I mean, the highest probability shot that the Jackets had last night was 25%. That was the goal. And then they were middling right around the 12, 13% range where Tampa Bay didn't even see 13%, they were so high. So it's not just about quantity. And again, I I feel like this is a common sense thing. You know, it's not just about quantity, it's about quality. And when you're playing a team that has that skill, you've got to match them in quality too, not just quantity. We saw this in in the first playoff series against Pittsburgh, I feel like a few years ago as well. Yeah. Yeah. It had that feel to it. eh? Like where Columbus would have those stretches and then boom, kicking the groin. Exactly. You, know, you make you make one mistake with the puck, and the first goal was a classic example. Yeah. I mean, the Blue Jackets have a four on two coming across the line, and, four on and I think it was I think it was McDonough breaks it up, knocks Pierre Lou Dubois down, and it's going back the other way, indirect pass to Kucherov, and one nothing. Yeah, and a great pass off the wall from Gord, Gordy ahead to yeah the Kucherov to spring. I mean, that's yeah, they're they're awesome. They're awesome, and and you know. Um, it's a little dicey, maybe throwing uh, Jonas Corposalo out there after 16 days with no with no play, and now here's Kucherov twice. Enjoyed that in the <laughs> first period, uh, but there, you know, I I didn't like the uh, first Braden Point goal. I think that was the one where you go, uh, he'd like that one back. But other than that, there's there there were some goals there. We just go, okay, you know, Stamkos from the left dot on the faceoff uh, point after a on just an unreal sequence of passes from the left dot. At some point, if you're the if you're the goaltender, Corpusal, you just sort of tip your cap on on those because it's just it's too much. Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's it, it's just incredible what this team can do. Even you know we talked about this last night as well. That that second point goal, and that's the thing. The game was actually rather entertaining for the bulk yes. of it because. It was particularly the first period was really good play, I thought, from both yeah, sides. Totally. And, and Tampa's just fun to watch. I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. It's it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Third round third round draft pick, right? 
point. Great point. Great, great, third round pick, I think maybe. I don't know. Great. I don't think he was a. I don't think he was a first rounder. I said, Allison, I know we'll be able to look that up. Probably have an looking answer it up. Ten, ten seconds. Hold and then, please. Then he's one of those guys that that is what elevates those teams. I mean, good. He's really nudged his way in there and been become a special player. And Columbus needs that to happen with some of their young guys, right? And I think he took the other thing is I think he took a long time to develop. Yep. He wasn't one of those guys that was like. One year juniors, and he was in the NHL. I think he was. How long was he in juniors? So he was in juniors a total of five seasons, including yeah. two after two after his draft year, and he was drafted in the third round, seventy ninth overall. Yeah. What year was that? Two thousand fourteen. Oof. Yeah, he's one of those you kick yourself about. But then again, who knows what he's like if he's sort of cooked in a different system for right for five years sure um yeah that that's a uh so that's one i think that maybe is tough to come back from but the blue jackets are tonight in montreal tom you will be there and then the trip continues to ottawa when do they play ottawa tom uh friday friday so you got wednesday you got thursday in the great canadian capital um and of course there's going to be plenty swirling around about this team these blue jackets, um, who, as we posted a story yesterday, sort of a trade primer. These blue jackets are uh, at once the biggest story and the biggest mystery of the of the NHL. What are they going to do? Um, here we are, less than a week now away, and Artemi Panarin is still a blue jacket. Sergey Bobrovsky is still a a blue jacket. Matt Duchesne is still an Ottawa <laughs> Senator. Correct. Um, indeed. And yeah, I think it's going to be uh, fascinating to see where this goes. Um, we've talked about before what the Blue Jackets need to achieve uh, in order to justify a run and keeping both of these guys. Uh, does last night, in your mind, make it easier for Yarmo to move Panarin? Uh, to have been uh, sort of reminded of where they would have to be, who they would have to get through uh, this season to make it truly special. Is it easier now for, for Yarmo Kekalainen to, to make a move? Tom? Uh, no, it's that, that <clears throat> there, I mean, Jeez. I never, no, no, it changes absolutely nothing uh, for me. I mean, you, you <laughs> I don't think anyone here thinks that they were going to be, get to, if they get to play Tampa Bay, as far as, as long as it's not the first round, if they get to the conference finals, then then everything is happy. Everyone's really happy. Yeah. So no, I mean again, we're talking about Tampa being a, to me on a different level than anybody else in the East this year. If you just got there to the conference finals, I think everybody would think that was fine. Uh, you know, if, now I think what will be interesting is in these next two games, both of uh, you know Montreal is a good team. They they came in and beat the Blue Jackets. Two weeks ago, Allison, something like that, and uh, Carey Price was excellent. And yep. if they if they lose that game and then lose in Ottawa, then your conversation maybe becomes a little different. Ask the same question after those two games, and you might have a get a different answer. Uh, again, I don't know what Allison's going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, first to answer the question, I don't think it changes anything. I think arguably you could say the same thing about most teams in the league right now, right? Like, if you can't beat Tampa Bay, is that mean you cash it in and they're just so good? 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really wonky stretch of games, right? Because it's Montreal, it's Ottawa, and it's two back to backs, which you know adds a degree of, of difficulty, in my opinion. And there's travel on both sides. It's not even a back to back at home. So if they can't make it through. And also, as, as you passenger. have pointed out numerous times, Courtney, get your baggage. <laughs> <laughs> as you have pointed out, Porty, the, the other element in all this that, that may force the hand is time. I mean, every day is just the team is running out of time to if they if they get what they want for Panarin, but then don't have time to reinforce Oof. the roster. I mean, I hate to say it, and I don't think that I think the front office can do their darndest to make sure this doesn't happen. But gosh, what if the decision gets made for you, right? I mean, yeah. that would be rough. Yeah, I don't know that they can let that happen. Like, I, I mean, let's let's scratch at this too because I think it's interesting. Um, there's so much talk about the Blue Jackets and, and Nashville's in on them too, but the Blue Jackets going hard um, for Matthew Shane in in Ottawa, who apparently is not going to. Sign with the Senators and will be moved before the deadline. Um, if Panarin is the best forward available, Duchesne is the best centerman available. And he does, on paper, fill uh, a lot of the Blue Jackets' needs. Uh, point a game guy and better this year, which is, which is saying something. But just a fantastic face-off player. And that is something that the Blue Jackets have just needed desperately, um, especially down the middle. I think you, if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, and I think you have to look at this not just simply through your team's needs, but also what is the true value of this player and what is appropriate to give up. And do you guys, is he a number one, and I'm, again, not looking at their roster, but is he a number one caliber center that would justify the haul you would have to give to Ottawa to get him and forget even... Uh, about having signed him to an extension. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets would certainly like to do that before they acquired him. I'm not sure they'll have that opportunity. Is Matt Duchesne worth selling your soul for if you are Yarmo Kekalainen? Tom. No. Yes. Uh, I mean, you, you uh, no, because you would have to. Oh, no, my, sorry. My answer is no. Uh, <laughs> you, you would, uh, to me, if you're bringing in Matt Duchesne, you've got you've to get some kind of guarantee that he's signing here. I mean, you know, that's the last thing. And to, to, I think you mentioned this in your excellent piece, by the way, uh, yesterday. Great right. primer uh, for uh, any Blue Jacket fan for this last week. But you can't then have three three guys that are UFAs. And it, granted, you, that move probably doesn't get made without moving Panarin. But still, you're back in the same spot with a high-end player that uh, you can't sign. Uh, and I don't think taking assets, cooping getting assets for one and then turning around and giving, I don't know if it's for as, as much as for Panarin, but still giving up a lot of assets to me. It's just, you're shuffling deck chairs there in, in some ways. Yeah. Now it could be said that if the blue jackets get more for Panarin, than they give up for Duchesne. That him as a rental, isn't the end of the world. Thoughts on that, Allison? Oh, I, I, I'm trying to find the words, but I just feel like 
getting him as a rental is almost not worth it. Um, and I could easily argue myself out of that, but I, I feel like with the variables at play and the whole point of trading Panarin would be to get assets and to flip all that for another rental, I, eh, I just don't like that at all. It's just neither does the, the young child sitting next to Tom, apparently. But that's... I, you, this has to be a player that you know is going to sign long-term. I think that would have to be a conversation that would have to be had before the move was made. Yeah. And the indication is that if he does go to Columbus, that he, he would be with the intent to hit the market. And this is nothing against Columbus, but if you're Matt Duchesne and you're this close to July 1st, why sign an extension? Why, why give away your right to free agency unless you're willing to Unless Columbus is just willing to really throw a huge pile of money on the table beyond what he could possibly expect on July 1 from somebody else. Um, I just, man, this is a guy, uh, the, the offense is there, the speed is there, the face-off wins, the ability to kill penalties. Whew, I just, I think of all the box of that checks for this team. Maybe Wenberg is part of the deal going to to Ottawa. That's a name that comes up a lot. Maybe they got to throw a first round pick on the table too, because Wenberg is a salary eat for for uh, Ottawa if they can't rehabilitate his career. Uh, a lot of moving parts here. Um, when you guys look at the, let's forget about Bob and Panarin for for a second. When you look at this roster. Um, and we're going to sort of forget about what the return might be for Panarin because it may just be prospect picks. What's the biggest need that you see today in terms of adding? Um, and and I, I don't know that that uh, maybe we're not being fair to the defense, but but it's, last year just seemed like such a luxury with Ian Cole. Jack Johnson is a healthy scratch through the playoffs. Are you kidding me? And and I, I think this year's team is it doesn't have that dynamic backside. But does that backside does that worry you as much as it seems to, to worry me if they carry this current crew defenseman into the playoffs if, should they make it? Tom. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about that the other day. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I think you do have to add and of course I think first of all, I think we all want to find out what is going on with Ryan Murray. Yep. Right. Uh, uh you know. That that could change the conversation in, you know, very quickly. If uh, Ryan Murray were to miss some considerable time, but yeah, you, I think you need to add. But I don't. I don't am I gonna? Am I gonna make a big splash on defense? No, I, I just don't think so. Uh, I think it's it's. I think it's your your your. When we're talking about Duchesne or a forward, if you're losing Panarin and, and you want to make the playoffs and you're serious about you're serious about making some kind of run then you have to whether it be a winger or a center you have to add a player up there i don't i don't think you need to add a big a big time uh defenseman i think just a maybe a a better number five or six uh right now for me sort of like the cold trade last year yeah yeah and and he obviously he i mean all those guys turned out you know it was a Jarmo had a really good, uh, very sneakily, sneaky good uh, 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 deadline last year, although that they were all rentals. But, uh, you know, he had a sneaky good one last year, and it, you know, 
got him to a two nothing lead and into double overtime to game three. So, yeah, Allison, uh, how big is the crying need on defense if you see one at all? Yeah, I, I I agree with everything Tom said. Murray's status is key here. But, you know, I've talked a couple times this year and, and written about it that for some reason this team is just allowing a lot more against this year. They're allowing more shots against. They're allowing more chances against. And, and I don't, again, I don't think you need to go big splash style, but Sure, and and remember they brought in Cole, and that was a player they actually wanted to to try to keep right over the off season. So, yeah, so, it, sure. so this is to say the need is still there. I think is fair given that we know the team had interest there. Um, nothing splashy, but they they've needed a little bit of a defensive injection, honestly, up and down the lineup, not just on the blue line. But yeah. I would certainly look to shore that up. Um, I'd even say four, five, six. Um, somewhere in there would be important. Could I add one point? Um, and this is not a knock on the player because his, I think he's he's already exceeded his expectations when he was drafted. But I don't think Marcus Nudevara's third season has been the second half, to be specific, the second half of this year. He's not continued to kind of go up. And I think if Nudevara was playing maybe a little bit higher level, this would not be, to me, as much a concern. Then you're just talking about a, a real depth of defenseman. But I, I don't think Nudavara has been all that great. He's been fine, but he's, he's, not, he's not really taken that step where it just looked, the way the, the season started, like, wow, they, they really might have something here with him. Yeah. Yeah, and that whole back end has just been a little bit unsettled. Like Jones and Wierenski have not been locks to play together as they have been the first couple of years. Murray's been better this year. You mentioned this briefly, Tom. He he left last night's game first period uh, with an injury, did not return, and is not on the trip, at least for the start of the trip. Uh, so uh, a concern there. Um, let's end this, if we can, on a happy note, uh, because there was great news uh, for Central Ohio hockey fans, if you want to look at it from that perspective. The fifth player from the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets uh, reached the NHL. Five players. When that program, I think, started in like 2002 or three, uh, maybe it didn't start until 2004, but it's a really, really impressive thing. Um, and the fifth player was Cole Sherwood, who made his NHL debut with his hometown Blue Jackets uh, in Chicago on Saturday and made his home debut in Nationwide on Monday. Uh, nice touch. The Blue Jackets arranged a a suite for the Sherwoods, for the Sherwoods close friends, and a lot of the AAA Blue Jackets parents and players who wanted to come see their own make make uh, his home debut. Uh, and I, you know, boy, Cole Sherwood. If if you would have asked me at the end of training camp, is he going to make his NHL debut this season? I would have said, I don't think so. Um, but the kid has come a long way, and I don't think he looked out of place in Chicago or last night uh, at all against Tampa Bay, one of the few players that, that Tortorella kept sending out in the third period. Allison, what do you make of the uh, the young man's ascension and, and his play last night in his first game at home and his second game overall? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know that this would have been one of the first couple call-ups I would have expected, but he's he's come up. He's looked comfortable. I think he's he's appeared comfortable to us when we talk to him in the room. He, he doesn't 
he has the appropriate amount of awe, but also he seems like he fits, right? If that makes yeah. sense. Um, liked seeing, and Torts said, he said, you know, the game was already decided, but liked seeing him give both Sherwood and Robinson some power play time there at the end. Liked how he played. He had a, particularly last night, his first game was, was a little um, timid, if you will, in terms of really figuring things out, I think. But he really looked good last night. He gained an edge in shots, gained an edge in scoring chances, and, and even had, had a little bit of an edge there on those high-danger chances I was talking about, which were harder to come by um, for the Jackets. And what I liked, too, and, and you had this in, in the story from last night's game, but um, it was cool, too, to see a little moment. The, the broadcast had shown Torts kind of lean over and, and talking and gesturing to Cole. It didn't look angry by any means, but we asked him about that after the game, and he just said there was just a lot of encouragement from Torts and, and that it meant a lot to him to have that in the game. And I think it was just a neat little sign of they're going to continue to develop this guy too, right? I mean, obviously, but you don't often see it happening. Um, yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool to see too and to see that player makes a mistake, comes back, gets some coaching, goes out, and by both sides, coaching and player, ended up making the right play the next time he went over the board. So yeah. very encouraging to see from the player just as a player and just super cool. Um, think about what this says to the kids who are in that AAA program now or to the kids playing in house league at a chiller, at a chiller league to say Cole Sherwood from Columbus plays for the Blue Jackets. You know, I, just, just what a neat moment. Yeah, and I, I love this little anecdote too. Um, so he's in, in uh, Belleville, Ontario, practicing and getting ready for the Blue Jackets, for the uh, Blue Jackets affiliate, the Cleveland Monsters, to play an AHL game. He's going through a PK drill with Trent Vogelhuber, who also happens to be from Columbus. And at the end of the drill, John Madden, the head coach of the Monsters, gives Trent Vogelhuber the honors. And, and Vogelhuber calls Cole Sherwood over and says to him in a, uh, with the smile on his face, hey, Cole, do you want to go home? And Cole looks at him like, what are you talking about? He's, he said, you're going up. Columbus called for you. going up. And for a Columbus player to deliver that message to a Columbus player kind of brings it all full circle in a really neat way. Tom, you wrote a, an interesting piece posted about Columbus, Ohio, and how all this hockey and America stuff, the NHL keeps going back to cities and celebrating the quote-unquote hockey cities in America. Maybe they should Yeah, I, I totally. I, I think what happens is, you know, and we're not saying that Columbus needs to be be on national TV four or five uh, times a year, although that would be nice too, but that, that would come with being a better team. But to me, the Hockey Day in America is, this is, this is the city's, this is a chance for you to celebrate some of these markets that have achieved and in Columbus, it's not just the team is, is better making the playoffs. It's that the Cole Sherwoods are now coming out and, 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 and making an impact in the league with four or five, like you mentioned, four or five guys. I think they've got like 19 guys Attention in Division I hockey right now, 17 or 19 guys in Division I hockey. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a strong sign. And uh, I think we mentioned it, and I think you mentioned it on the show Friday, that you know it took, it took the Penguins, it took Pittsburgh, like years, I mean, like 25 years or 30 years for to get a first round draft pick 
uh, into the NHL and R.J. Umberger in 2001. I think it came into the league 67, 68. And the Blue Jackets, uh, whatever year, Roslovic, I think it might have been 2015. So that just took 15 years to get them uh, a first-round draft pick. So I think there's a lot of encouraging signs with the program going on. Does, do the fans want this team to be better and get them deeper in the playoffs? Absolutely. And I think it's a reason why they still Columbus hasn't made that next step as far as national recognition. Uh, but yeah, I think that's coming. But again, I think what they're doing and the way they're going about, about the business in, in Columbus and with the, with the junior program is really good. Yeah. As they go through here, Tom. Yes. <laughs> uh, Blue Jackets tonight against Montreal. One assumes Bobrovsky back in net. We'll see if there's a call up for Murray, who again is, is out and not on the trip. Um, there's a chance Brandon Dubinsky draws in tonight against Montreal, Tom? Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, I think he's, he sounded he sounded very optimistic when he talked to Allison and I yesterday. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see what uh, they decide to do. And that probably means one of the young kids comes out. Other thing is what happens with Anthony DeClaire, yeah. who was scratched again the other night and uh, – you know, it seems like he declare comes back in the lineup. He scores a goal. You're thinking, okay, here we go. Maybe now he's got things going and then he gets taken right. out of the lineup again, uh, the other night. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, this is heading home for him too, a Montreal yeah. kid. So it would be uh, tough to have him out again tonight, but one never knows with, uh, with John Tortorella. Uh, so yeah, if Doobie's back in and Duclair's back in, it could be that Robinson and Sherwood, uh, are on the outs, but, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, lineup today. They're not skating today in Montreal, are they, Tom? I don't think so. I hope not, because I'm not there yet. Keep <laughs> going. Um, Tom, thanks for joining us. Allison, thanks for being here as always. Um, thanks for reading, watching, listening, all the all that good stuff. And we'll uh, continue to to uh, crank these out. Next one on Friday. I will say this: if the Blue Jackets make a good a, a substantial trade. Sometime between now and Friday, uh, I, I can see us hopping in for a bonus extra front and nationwide. Uh, we'll do an online chat tomorrow at noon, and there'll be plenty of coverage coming. Yeah, so and big we, we for the Blue Jackets. Allison, anything to add? Yeah, we have a just if you want to have a place to hang out on Monday while the while we're watching news come down, we're also going to have a live chat going on Monday um, just to track the action we did oh. it last year and. Uh, Folks well received. Can, folks can join us in there. So we'll be sharing news, discussing possible news, rumors, all that good stuff. It'll be online at The Athletic um, and providing all the coverage as it happens for you there. Excellent. All right, Tom, any final words? No, I, I would definitely encourage, like I said, I encourage people to go read your story, the, the primer. And, yes, I remember that Allison and Rob Mixer did a great job last year on a trade down the line, and that was a busy one. That was a busy one. All right, folks, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you in a few days. Enjoy your week.